1: Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. When putting together your gear, wrap a piece of duct tape around your water bottle. It's barely noticeable, but if another piece of gear breaks or tears, pull off your tape to make a quick patch or repair. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Pound for Pound Podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network. I'm your co-host Carlos Tor, and joining me every single week is Robert Silva. Robert, how are you
1: doing? Good evening, Carlos, and wherever the whatever time the listeners are listening, good evening, good morning, good afternoon. We're here again to give you the latest boxing news, and um, Carlos has a update on the Tyson Fury dealing White uh, negotiations and fight. Yeah, I mean, first of
0: all, happy two twenty two. actually no, 2-22-2022, there, I got it, I got it right, even though everyone that's going to be listening to this is going to, it's going to be past February 22nd, but, I just might as well throw that out there, just so you got to give an idea of when we're recording this, so, Dillian White has now signed his side of the deal for, the long-awaited, or I guess long-discussed uh, fight with Tyson Fury for the WBC heavyweight title. It's finally happening. The plan right now is to have these two fight on April 23rd at Wembley Stadium in London. Monday, February 21st was the deadline to sign the contract on side. Obviously, we had the purse bid back in January, where Queensbury Promotions won with a monster bid of $41,025,000. Tyson, as yes, the WBC champion, gets $29,000,000. And Dillian White gets $7.3 million with an additional $4.1 million given out to the winner. And the long issue that was kind of holding this back was, I guess, the issue that Dillian White had with the WBC. Primarily with the purse bid split. It was an 80-20 split that WBC has uh, ruled for this fight. Which is... A lot more skewed towards the champion side than in normal cases where you see anywhere from a 60-40 split to a 70-30 split. Maybe a very rare occasion you get to a 75-25 split. Obviously, it all depends from the sanctioning bodies and the situations. But regardless, it's... Looks like, I would say, about 99.5%, it's it's all a done deal. Only thing that's left is an issue, uh, reportedly, with UK tax withholdings that uh, the WBC will rule on, so I guess, other than that, which I don't think is going to, you know, stop the fight from happening, other than that, we finally have the fight. Dillian White is getting his long-awaited WBC heavyweight title shot that he's... Been
1: waiting for years and years and years. Robert, what are your thoughts? It's still an eighty-twenty split. I I just thought it in my head, because one guy's getting seven and the other guy's getting twenty-nine. Seven times four is twenty-eight. Yeah. That's an eighty-twenty split. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, I mean, seven million is the biggest payday of his life, but god damn, why the eighty-twenty split? I never understood that from the get-go. I mean, damn. I mean, at least a 70-30 split. uh, Which is, I think, traditionally what's supposed to be the split in this That's ridiculous. But you know what? Congrats to Tyson Fury for fleecing Dillian White and getting this incredible amount. If I'm not mistaken, maybe you could correct me, isn't this Tyson's largest purse ever for a fight? Uh, mm, I don't. I well, guess.
0: I, the guess the base, I guess in the base. I guess in the base sense, obviously right. not. I don't know how much he's made off the Deontay Wilder pay-per-views, but at least
1: I guess on the guarantee side, yes, yeah. it is. And he might have made more against Wilder in the last fight after international and pay-per-view sales. But yeah, I don't. I never heard of him signing for this amount. You know, the base salary when they signed to fight each other. So, uh, kudos to uh. Uh, Tyson Fury for getting this huge payday and um, is are they going to be able to come up with this money? Uh,
0: I mean, I I I don't know how many countries are there in the Middle East. There's about that many ways to uh, options to be able to financially secure this. I don't know if it's uh, if the Middle East is going to be able to do something uh, to provide that kind, of money, uh, that kind of money or is they going to be helped. I mean, obviously, Tyson Fury's Uh, has connections in the
1: Middle East. I don't know if that played a role in the final purse. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me back up. His manager is not Middle Eastern, is he? No,
0: no, but, you know. But he's affiliated with Daniel Kinahan, who's in the Middle
1: East. Yeah, yeah, that's his advisor, that criminal. All right, uh, kudos to Tyson Fury. I hope they find the money for this fight. And that is a stack. Two months of boxing. Oh my god! Right now, for the for the listeners out there, what we could be seeing from April sixteenth through May seventh.
0: Off the top of my head, uh, you know, I, I think you know we have Ryan Garcia. I think he's fighting. Ah, I'm not counting
1: that bullshit. Get that shit out of. Me. <laughs> oh my god! You got Errol Spence <laughs> right. versus Ugas April sixteenth. Possible Canelo yeah. fight on early May. May 7th, right? Uh, see, he's fighting somebody on May 7th. Yeah, Whether it's Charlo or Boval, he's fighting somebody on May 7th. April 30th, you got uh, your buddy Armando Serrano versus Katie Taylor in what I believe is the biggest fight in women's boxing history. The same night, Shakur Stevenson fights Oscar Valdez. Right. And now you got Dillian White and Tyson Fury April 23rd. Beautiful Four weeks of boxing right there. Uh, I could care less about Ryan Garcia versus the guy nobody ever saw before. (laughs) I'm just trying to think sort of like. Well, what day is that fight?
0: What day? The Ryan Garcia fight? Ryan
1: Garcia versus. uh, Uh,
0: I'm trying to think sort of like off the top of my head. I know it's in April and it. Actually, it might be just right before that time that you had... Uh... It might
1: be April 9th or April 2nd. It better not... I mean, it's not going to be April 16th, right? Because uh, Kaylee Taylor, Mondo Serrano's... Design. April nine. April 9th. April nine. Okay, so it was the week before. All right, okay. Yeah, so obviously you got... Uh, I'm, own... not, I'm not putting that fight in this equation. No, no. <laughs> if you're a casual fan and you just want to watch the best fight the best, you start with the Errol Spence-Ugas fight. And work your way to Canelo... Well, Canelo fights on May
0: 7th. Yeah. I mean, there's still, it's a lot of really good boxing uh, coming up in that time. And I mean, hell, that's not to say, you know, possibly Jermell
1: Charlo versus Brian Castano too. That might, that... Hold on, let me, and let me back, backtrack one more thing I want to ask you. Tyson Fury versus Dillian White, is that, where's that, is that a pay-per-view fight? Where's it going to be? Who's going to distribute that fight? Hmm. Uh,
0: a lot of people are under the impression this is going to be an ESPN pay-per-view.
1: Yeah, but but is is that a is is that a guarantee? It's not cuz was not promoting the fight. But Tyson is still a top-ranked fighter. Yeah, but somebody else is promoting the fight, right? Well, it's well, remember, you know, Frank Warren co-promoted Tyson. Lopez alone. was a top F. F. Lopez was a top-ranked fighter. Was that fight on ESPN? No, but no, so but no, then, but in that,
0: but in but in the Teofimo Lopez case, only I mean, or originally Trillo won that won right. that purse and, bit, then, and, and they, and they then had it no went affiliation Eddie Hearn, with anybody. Right. Yeah, yeah. But but yep. in this case, yeah, Frank Warren uh, won the purse bid. But you know, Frank and Bob Arum co promote together. Tyson. Okay, Fier. so
1: it's going to be on ESPN. Then. It'll more, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. It'll it'll more than likely. Do you think be, it'll be an ESPN plus pay per view? There's a lot of – As, lot as of opposed to being money. a traditional pay-per-view only? Yeah, look at the money that – nobody fights for $29 million on regular ESPN.
0: Yeah, it's
1: they, – They'll take a bath. It,
0: it's an it, – not just that. You're, you're putting that, you're fight that fight in – And also, it's going to be in the
1: middle of all these other pay-per-views.
0: And you're also doing this in the middle of the afternoon, early evening, which is never a great time – be... But if you
1: look at it, if you look at it, right, you, uh-huh. you make a great point there, Carlos. April sixteen, Spence Ugas, pay-per-view. Uh-huh. May seventh, Canelo, pay-per-view. Period. Whoever he fights, pay-per-view. April twenty-third, Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. This isn't Deontay Wilder. This isn't Anthony Joshua. This isn't Alexander Usyk. This is gonna be a financial bath. For everybody involved except the fighters.
0: <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll be interesting how this, how the, how this. And you can't put out.
1: it on regular ESPN because how is how you gonna? I mean, you gotta pay the fighters. You're not making a profit. And I know Bob Arum. Oh, I couldn't make any money with Terence Crawford. Well, good luck making money on this fight.
0: It's certainly not going to be an easy job. One
1: thing that I want uh, to add
0: on, I honestly cannot remember if you had already mentioned this fight, but during that run in April and May, we got Shakur Stevenson versus Oscar Valdez. I said, I, that. Okay, I said yeah, that. Okay. Same
1: night as Amanda Serrano versus Katie I, Taylor. Okay, you're,
0: yeah, you're right. You're April right. April right. 30th. I you're said right. that. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't know why. That's
1: the night where you have two great marquee matchups. I said Katie Taylor Serrano. I agree with you, because the biggest fight in female boxing history. Same night as Valdez versus Shakur Stevenson. Right. Um, and that's going to be an ESPN fight. So got a lot of great boxing from April 16th to May 7th. My, my only concern is how the hell is the all the promoters, Frank Warren and Bob Arum, <laughs> going to make money on this Tyson Fury dealing white fight? I mean, it'll sell out in London. I agree with that. The gate will be great. But will that be enough to uh, suffice the salaries? I don't know. I don't know. That's.
0: I mean, a, a lot of it also depends on what kind of undercard it's going to be on it. And
1: well, Julian I mean, they, they, it's got to be a, a bunch of novices because you can't pay anybody else.
0: I would imagine that you know what they can. I can see a guy like Jared Anderson being on that card. He's already going to be training with Tyson Fury. And
1: yeah, yeah, and yeah. he he's always on the Tyson Fury cards as well. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and it could could be a
0: a, a nice step up. Uh, in that case. So we have a lot of boxing to sort of recap. And I guess the most noteworthy fight card from this past weekend, maybe not necessarily the biggest one or the best one, but certainly the one that, mo- you know, people talked about the most, the grudge match between Amir Khan and Kelbrook That's been a blood feud spe- that's, that started over a decade ago. Almost... Almost seven, eight years of marinating between these two and getting that fight together. Now both of them, way past their prime, finally meeting the ring and it actually being ended ended up being a lot more one-sided than almost anyone could have expected or predicted. Kell Brook dominated Amir Khan, dropped him in you know drops him early in the fight, in the very first round, and Kell Brook ultimately went on to stop Amir Khan in the 6th round I mean it was a decent decent entertaining fight for what it was it was essentially a huge squash match which I don't think mm-hmm. anyone could have predicted by then but boy this is, this was just a sad look uh, for, for Amir Khan this was an instance where you where you think to yourself how could you possibly move uh, fight after that
1: Amir Khan is done I think, in my opinion, he should retire. He should not. No one should section in a mere fight. He's a tragedy waiting to happen. He already had a glass jaw, all right? When you factor in, his reflex is a shot. His he legs defend, are gone. His legs are gone. He can't defend himself. He couldn't defend. Kell landed whenever he wanted to. This man should not be allowed in the ring ever again. He's done. He's done stick a fork in him. One of the most overrated fighters in the history of boxing is done. It's over. And I was laughing, not at the beating he took, because I was surprised like you, but remembering seven, eight, nine years ago when he was calling out Floyd Mayweather and a lot of so-called media experts were like, oh, he's got the ability to beat Floyd. How? How? How could have he ever beaten Floyd Mayweather? Answer me that question. He struggled against Chico Madonna, almost lost him, struggled against uh, 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 Lamont Peterson, got put in the hospital by Danny Garcia, got knocked out in the first round by Bredis Prescott. How is that guy going to beat Floyd Mayweather in his prime? I laughed my ass off. I mean, and, he was, um,
0: no chance, no chance at all. No
1: ch- it's, it's t- Amir Khan's family needs to intervene and tell this man he can no longer fight because he, like Yorkis Gamboa, like Jorge Linares, like Daniel Jacobs, has no business ever again stepping into a boxing ring. Yeah, it's really just sad. I mean, this was his first
0: fight in three years, and boy, he he looked every bit the part of a guy who hasn't fought in three years. But he
1: looked finished against Crawford. He was a zombie against Crawford.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... And even then, his bounce-back fight against Billy Dibb was on a... So, such a bizarre card in Saudi Arabia that honestly, looking back, just feels like a fever dream.
1: And that was and and that was a fight to put a win on his uh, W on his record because uh, Billy did. Uh, what's the uh, highest year before that? Before he fought Amir Khan, it was a massive, massive, uh, weighted uh, uh disadvantage for Billy.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Billy was was a last second replacement, but still, I mean, uh, yeah. he really couldn't find anyone yeah. other than you know but they a wanted to guarantee they, featherweight
1: super featherweight they, they wanted to guarantee a w on Khan's record to keep his momentum which stalled cuz like you said he didn't fight for another 3 years
0: <laughs> and ultimately i think that this should be the nail on the coffin of amir Khan's career a guy who held multiple world titles was a decorated amateur silver Olymp- silver medalist uh, silver yep. medalist at the olympics and his headlines countless shows became a star in the UK made millions and millions of uh of pounds you know it's a career that i
1: think 99% of boxers would kill to have yeah 99% of the regular boxers but uh as far as the elite he falls way 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 short well yeah only of course way, but how many only way he's going to the hall of fame is if he buys a block of tickets
0: yeah but but how many boxers, like, think about the, the sheer number of boxers who have fought in the pros and are active in the pros. I don't think
1: people realize just how large that number is. Like, yeah, but see when, the- you come into, when you come into your know, pro career with all the hype and the accolades as an amateur and an entire country behind you, they expect you to be a Hall of Famer. They expect you to be an all-time great. He did not live up to his potential. No, but it's not like it was a wasted career. He, you know. No, he, he I mean, like you said, he's a multiple world champion, but every major fight he was in, he shit at the bed. Right, right.
0: Yeah. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. On the flip side, it's an interesting question as to whether or not what is next for Kell because I pointed
1: out. Uh, hey, I, it. I, hey, uh, I agree with you, Carlos. Go ahead, tell, tell, tell the people you what you want to see, and I hope they make this.
0: Now, I had said I would love to see Kelbrook versus Conor Ben, and then a, a lo- I had a lot of fight. people. Oh, I love it. So to tell me, hey, no. Connor Ben would not would destroy him. I'd rather see him go out on top than just fall on his
1: there's a light. lot of money there's a lot of money to be made against Connor Ben that's a ready made big time matchup that you could put in Wembley arena sell out Wembley Arena or wherever you want to put it in England. It would be a big fight i'm it 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 would be just as big as this con fight because you have yesterday versus today and It would be a great indicator, like you said, Carlos, of where Conor Ben is right now. Because if he could dominate a Kell Brook, then maybe he is ready for a world title shot. If he struggles against a Kell Brook past his prime, then uh, we have to reevaluate. I love your suggestion. People were knocking it. I don't know why.
0: I think in the sense that they look at Kell Brook, and obviously they don't see the guy who was once a world champion. They see a guy who's about to turn 35 or I think 36 in a couple of months. And I can understand the sentiment of wanting to see Kell Brook come out on top, and I get that he's a guy in his mid-30s who has two broken orbital bones.
1: But he's recovered from those orbital bones. And, And unlike Daniel Jacobs, Jorge Linares, or the guy he just beat up, Amir Khan, he doesn't look like a walking zombie even in his fight against terence crawford he fought his ass off he just fought a better guy he fought his ass like amir khan who was just trying to survive was dropped. Try- well amir khan was dropped 10 seconds into the fight against terence crawford it took crawford a minute before he could figure out brook brook did well first two rounds before crawford figured him out and then gave him a beating no kelbrook's not done I, I I disagree with the with the guys out there that were criticizing your post. I would love to see it versus Conor Ben. Um, and it would be it would be the toughest fight of Ben's career up until this point.
0: And, and and when I wrote that tweet, I guess, and obviously I did not elaborate on this, but I wrote it in the sense of we know Kel Brooks is going to fight again because how, how how would how do you think he's he how would you think he's going to retire? after a performance like that, because he didn't look great. Yeah, it was against mm-hmm. a, you know, walking, punching back at Amir Khan, but still, <laughs> he looked great. You are you
1: can't tell me, Kel Brook, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I'm good. I'm not going to fight again. Nah, he, he's going to fight again, and if he's going to fight again, Carlos, it doesn't make sense for him to fight the bum of the month, or a guy just to put a W on his record. He needs the big money fights, and there's two out there for him in his own country, uh two second generation fighters from two of the most popular British fighters of all time. That's Chris Eubank Jr., who 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 they were calling each other out, and Connor Ben. Either one of those fights is must see television in Britain. And I'd rather see that, because I knew this was going to be a clown shit show against Amir Khan. I said this for months, Carlos, cause you know I said this. <laughs> I was like, I don't that dude don't belong in the ring. But Brooke versus either Ben Ben or Eubank? That would be huge business in Great Britain, and and you know I I I'd call out sick for work that day to see it because I I'd be interested in seeing because I agree with you Carlos. both Conor Ben and Chris Eubank have junior have gotten a, past the point of being a a gimmick of a all time great father they're both very good fighters in their own right a win over Kell Brook would oh man would even both would bolster their stature even more, and, especially with Conor Ben and mm-hmm. and I think and I think with Cal
0: Brook, I would feel differently if he looked real bad and he mm-hmm. and he looked you know just completely out of it. Even you know even if he did beat Amir Khan, but he didn't. He looked great. I'm not saying but, that hey, he's gonna rip, go hey, on Carlos. this Nonito oh. Donaire esque run after all these losses, but this is the best. And I genuinely mean this. This is the best Cal Brook has looked since he was a world champion eight years ago. I think he looks better than he did in those three fights that he had between the losses to Errol Spence
1: and Terrence Crawford. I really do think that. Would you agree with me that in his fight against Terrence Crawford, he did not look bad. He just fought a better fighter. He, he came in in tremendous
0: shape. and yep. But, you know, but here's the thing. You, you know... Khan was going back down to 147, which he hadn't fought since the Earl Spence fight. And, you know, obviously his speed and his reflexes are not up to par against a guy like terms Crawford. And, you know, right. it was kind of plain to see. I, I personally thought that Kell Brook was going to be able to hold off a little bit better than what we ultimately got because, you know, Kell Brook came in such tremendous
1: shape and, you and even in this fight, he looked – he was hey, in phenomenal shape. I, I, he's in the best shape of his career. I'm, I don't know what's in his head physically as far as, you know, the damage done by the eye sockets and the amount of punishment he's taken over the years. But his physique and the way he looks, he's never looked better. So I do think that, you
0: know, Kell Brook is going to fight again. And I guess from my standpoint, I mean – I would love to see what Kel Brook can do with this newfound confidence and this newfound momentum, and he
1: would give Conor Ben a lot of trouble. He really would, in my opinion. It would be it would be Ben's toughest fight of his career, and I would love to see it. Um, because to, to 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 think about, I mean, as good as Ben's looked the last year, he's still not ready for a world cha- Those world champions at 140, he's not ready for Spence, Ugas, or Crawford. He's still got a ways to go to get there. Kell Brook would be a nice measuring stick. I would love to see it. The other
0: Konoha big fight and there was a lot of boxing, but we'd be here forever if with this if the, if we were to dissect every single boxing card that took place. But the other big card was on the Zone. It was the uh, Jaime Mungia versus Demetrius Ballard fight. Oh, and you talk about you talk about squash matches. <laughs> uh, the this fight got a lot of intrigue at the very last second because Mungia did not look good in the weigh-ins. Looked uh, didn't look quite right. He seemed just a tad bit out of it. Oh, if you look hard enough, there was a videos circulating on social media where he wasn't looking great and he even had to lie down on the floor. After after being on the on the scales, a lot of people were a bit worried that maybe go, cutting to one hundred and sixty might be too much for him at at this point. But Munguia just completely dominated Demetrius Ballard, just completely battered him left to right. Then I was completely wrong on how this fight was going to turn out because I thought this yeah. had the potential to be. A real drag-out fight, and Mungia just ends it quickly,
1: and I think it was three rounds. And he knocked. he knocked him out of the third round. It was a one-sided mismatch. Ballard was a deer in the headlights. He had no business being a ring against Mungia. We keep talking about this. His run at 160 has been less than unspectacular. He's fought stiff after stiff after stiff, and how is this guy a mandatory contender, For any championship when he's beaten nobody of note at 160 pounds. Oh, my God. I just don't understand it. Now, he's going to get his chance to sort of prove himself
0: a little bit better because the WBO has now ordered a fight between Jaime Munguia and Johnny Beck Alim Hanala for the interim middleweight title. As Demetrius Andre, I don't know
1: why they're calling him interim. Demetrius is never coming back down to 160 pounds. Yeah. Will you just strip him and make this guy? Oh my god, he's Carlos, he's never coming back down to 160. Why are they wasting their time? I on mean, well, well, okay, we'll think about it this way. What is if... no, no, talk about Carlos. Uh-huh. How many times you've been a boxing fan now uh-huh. for several years, so almost 20 years. How many times has a guy that's has gone up to 160 has gone back down to 160? It's not happening. You're right, you're right. But I'm ask- especially where he's he's that he's going up to one sixty eight hoping he get the big the big fights. Cause there's nothing for him at 160 because Triple G refuses to fight him. And um uh, was ducking him until he left. out. Yeah, I'm fighting for the WBO title. Nah. He's never coming back down. It doesn't make sense to me.
0: But but let me ask you that. Is it a hundred percent certain that he's not going back to one hundred and sixty if
1: he goes on to fight Zach Parker and loses? It, it, he's already up at one hundred and sixty-eight. It'd be killer to come down. He's not losing to Zach Parker.
0: I'm just I mean, saying. Justin, he, I'm no. saying what if? I'm saying what if?
1: He's not, he's gonna win that one. He's gonna win that whatever they call that shit against Zach Parker, and then he's gonna wait in line forever and a day. To try and fight Canelo Alvarez, hopefully he can get a fight with one of the Charlo brothers or Morel or Benavidez because he's never getting he's never getting um Canelo. Yeah,
0: I, I it is very frustrating to watch. Oh, I want to
1: ask you. Oh, I want, oh before we go on, I want to ask you a question. Uh-huh. Uh we talked about you know the inconsistencies of Bob Arum promoting African American fighters. Mm-hmm. Uh some light needs to be shed on. Shed not shit. I didn't mean to say shit. Shed, shed it on Eddie Hearn because he's got two of the most talented fighters on the planet in Andrade and Devin Haney. And he can't get these guys any big fights. Why? Uh, oh, What's man. going on there? He's with a network that got plenty of fighters in that area. And I mean, uh, they didn't want to put him versus Cambosos on the zone. So they wind up losing that fight to another network and another promoter? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think a lot of it also comes... And to- I like Eddie Hearn. I'm not, I'm, I've am not. i called Bob Aaron racist in the past. I would never make that distinction with Eddie Hearn. I think Eddie Hearn is a fighter's promoter. You know, Carlos, the old saying, he's a, a player's coach. I've always said Eddie Hearn's a fighter's promoter. He does his best for his fighters and... Carlos knows Eddie personally. I don't, so Eddie Carlos could talk more about Eddie and how his fighters love him. I mean, he's he a play. very
0: media-friendly promoter. He, maybe about as media-friendly a, a
1: big-time promoter is right now in the sport. And he's uh, very and, charismatic, and he's very likable. He is. He, he is. has and dropped I'm, the ball on Devin Haney and Demetrius Andrade, and it's not going to get any better for those two guys because for some reason, no, nobody wants to fight these guys. And I think part of it, maybe not
0: necessarily the whole picture, part of it falls back on the issue that Eddie Hearn just doesn't quite understand the boxing market in America. He just does not. He, I, I, well, okay. Eddie Hearn came to the United States with the zone to basically take over the sport of boxing in the United States. On that front, I think we can. I think it's safe to
1: assume so far it's been a failure. It's been a huge failure. Now, I mean, he's, it's not like he's been phenomenal. He's been phenomenal in Europe. Let's not take yes, that away. Yes, and I, as far as women's boxing goes in America, he has set a standard that's not been matched. But when it comes to and, and not American just that, the, boxing, also the giving yeah, yeah. giving
0: the spotlight to the lighter weights more often than right. Right, right, no. right, I can't say everything he's done has been a failure because there are no, some no, we just brought up great. the
1: women and he and 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 uh, the lighter weights, without a doubt. But as far as his plan on taking over uh, the American um, American boxing, uh, that's been that, that's that's firmly entrenched in the PBC camp. Period. Yeah, and here's the thing.
0: You know, I remember when the zone was unveiled in the United States, and Eddie Hearn thought, you know, with all this money that the zone is going to be investing, that Eddie Hearn could go just go out and sign the Charlo Brothers, Wilder, Mikey Garcia before the loss to Errol Spence Jr. See,
1: people people do not understand the loyalty that the Charlo Brothers, that Deontay Wilder, that all these African American fighters have to Al Heyman. Al Heyman pays his fight as well. He pays that stiff Adrian Broder well, all right? And because Eddie was trying to get Adrian Broder. And Adrian Broder laughed at him. No. Al Heyman pays his fight as well. His fight. The only guy that left was Danny Jacobs. <laughs>
0: and I think part and I think another thing that I just thought of, I think part of some of Eddie's shortcomings is that, Let's be honest. He he's a little arrogant. He is a little yes. arrogant. Yes. Yes, and sometimes, you know, some fighters, you know, it rubs off the wrong way. Uh, a promoter like Eddie Hearn, it does. You know, it, it works for a lot of fighters. And again, he's very charismatic. And you know, he certainly has, you know, done a great job with so many fighters over the in the past. But when it comes to promises and these boisterous claims about yeah. how he's going to take Cobra, I. He has not batted a 1,000. He has not. Even when he had Canelo Alvarez, the third fight with Gennady Golovkin could not be made. Even when, even after Eddie Hearn brought on Golovkin uh, to be, you know, after Eddie Hearn started to sort of be a part of Golovkin's team or or whatever you want to call it, still Mm -hmm. couldn't get that
1: done. Yep. And um, uh, one last thing before we move on with with, with, uh, Eddie Hearn. With uh, Eddie Hearn. Oh, man, did I lose my thought? Eddie Hearn, bah, pa pa bah, 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 Oh, one last thing. I want to give him credit before we move on. When, Tor- when Terrence Crawford left top rank, before the lawsuit, when he, when he cut ties after the Sean Porter fight, people asked Eddie Hearn, would you love to have Terrence Crawford? And Eddie Hearn was very honest. He said, man, hell of a talent, great fighter. I would love to have him, but I got nothing for him. He was honest, Terry. Let me say. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I As-
0: aside from <laughs> aside from Connor Ben, who's still not ready for Terence Crawford, there's really nothing right. that he ca- has. Right. Even at 154, right. the names that he has, they're all British level type of fighters. They're, you know, he barely has any guys yeah. at the European level. PBC the, you know, has almost That's everyone right. and, at 147 and, and, and 154.
1: And, and he was honest. He said he would be more suited, better suited. To fight PBC because he's got nothing to offer him. I, I, I really liked what he said when he said that because 99 times out of 100, a promoter would be, oh, yeah, it would offer Terrence Crawford the moon just to have him in his camp. And uh, I think he understood that he made those mistakes with Andrade and Haney, and why continue to make them with Terrence yeah. Crawford?
0: <laughs> and, yeah, and, and Eddie Hearn, you know. Be- he's on camera so many times, you know, he's bound to put his foot in his mouth, and he's done that quite a few times, and it's kind of bit him in the ass uh, a couple of times. So, that also is could be another reason. Uh, I'm just
1: hoping within the next, uh, I don't, it's not going to happen. Devin Haney and Demetrius Andrade, for the talent that they have, they have Hall of Fame ability, both these fighters deserve a big fight, and he can't get it for them. It's it's frustrating as a boxing fan. I'm sure it's frustrating for you too to to watch these guys with these with this incredible ability yeah. not get the fights that they should be getting.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is a, it is a just a tad bit uh, frustrating. One thing uh, now going. Back to sort of the weekend recap. Recap, but There is another fight card uh, from this past. Or at least a couple that I want to very briefly touch upon. Uh, last Saturday morning, we had Jorge Linares back in the ring. And, uh, you know, I never thought I would, I, I would say this about Jorge Linares heading into this week. But, man, it needs to be said. Jorge Linares, I think you really need to start considering retiring. Because had a fight you against right. Abdullaev, who was never known as a terrific puncher, and as Zaur Abdullayev. And what was a really good fight, by the way? It was a very fun fight until ESPN Plus on the English feed crapped on the final round and did not air the last round of the fight, which is the round— The best that... round of the fight! The best round of the fight! Abdullayev <laughs> dropped Linares twice in the 12th round and ultimately stopped him.
1: A come from behind, win. Yeah, it was because he was losing. He was losing on two of the three scorecards convincingly going into the twelfth round. I, what was it, Carlos? Four I, points and three points down going into the twelfth round. I, I do not remember
0: off the top of my head. I do not remember. I don't even remember if I did. If I had
1: actually seen the cards mm. heading to the. I know they reported that he was up seven rounds to four on one card, and oh, maybe. Ooh, might someone might have been seven three one on the other card, and you know three or four points in a ten point must system, and um, Abdulai was winning on the other card, so it was a come from behind ko victory. I agree with you, Carlos. oh hey, just like Amir Khan, just like Daniel Jacobs. Last two weeks we've seen three fighters long in the tooth. None of these guys deserve to be in the ring again. These guys need to be kept away from the ring uh somebody needs to uh send Jorge back to japan and take away his passport right take away his passport he shouldn't be allowed ever to travel outside of japan ever again yeah. maybe to maybe to Venezuela to see his children or whatever but he got to go He can, he's not allowed he should not be allowed to fight again uh he fought a guy that doesn't have great power and the guy almost murdered him in the 12th round the other fight card that I
0: want to briefly mention is the showbox card that took place on Friday. We originally supposed to be a triple header, but ultimately turned to be a double header after one of the fights fell through at the last second because of an
1: injury. Uh, I want to give a special shout out to Jermaine Ortiz. He who... looked phenomenal. He looked phenomenal. Even though Albright looked like he was just trying the first half of the fight to uh, last a distance, but I give Albright credit. Second half of the fight, he stepped it up. But it was too little too late. Carlos Ortiz looked very impressive. Very much so. Be- he beats Nair
0: Albright in the main event by unanimous decision. 98-92, 97-93, 97-93. Very good step up fight for Jermaine Ortiz. And really kind of just washes off the stink
1: of that draw against Joseph Adorno last year. They need to make that fight again. They need, he needs to, to, to completely, completely get that smell off of him. By fighting Adorno in a rematch, and you want to talk about smells?
0: My goodness, did it stink? That yeah, uh, he the decision to, he of the of the first horrific. fight.
1: Yeah. Of oh the show my god! Card. Talk about that. Paul
0: Crowe versus Marquise Taylor ends in a split draw. Follow along here: eighty seventy two for Taylor. 77-75 for Kroll and 76-76 in a fight that Crawl won at max maybe
1: two rounds. This how did was you a find, horrible scorecard. How did, you fi- how did two judges find four rounds and five rounds apiece for him? He was totally dominated, but Taylor got fleeced.
0: He did. He did. This is just a bad scorecard. Taylor just outboxed Kroll throughout the fight. Kroll at times was just a little bit busier, but he was not landing anything significant. Nope. Taylor nope. was just the better fighter all around for eight rounds. And uh, I think off the top of my head, I think I had a 78-74 for Taylor. I
1: had, it I had a 78-74 for Taylor also. And, you know, to go uh, and go five rounds for Kroll and four
0: rounds for Kroll is, it's a travesty. I mean, it's I don't know what maybe it's a side syndrome where the a side gets the benefit in what they think is our our, our close rounds because Paul Crow really was the a side. He was the unbeaten yeah, fighter heading right, in,
1: right, right,
0: with the, who came off you know the win against Lucas Santa Maria a couple of years back. But man, Marquis Taylor definitely earned. Earn. So
1: they could they could do a showbox card with two rematches: Adorno versus Ortiz. And um, this travesty of a of a draw.
0: I would love to see yeah. that. That's a great doubleheader. That's
1: a great, and, and it could easily be made because Showbox does does it. Uh, it was King's promotion, right? Yes.
0: Yes. Uh, I think yeah, yeah. So actually, now that I think about it, um, and funny you mentioned because Adorno is actually fighting this weekend
1: in Florida. So look, they everybody fought at the same time. Uh, bring it back 3 4 months from now. <laughs> now let's see
0: if if Adorno can snap that two-fight draw streak, which is it's it's weird to sort of say. It's very rare in high-profile prospects to be on a two-fight not even win streak, draw, not loss streak, but a draw, draw streak.
1: streak.
0: Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that being the uh That was your showbox card. Uh, Before we get into the, I guess, sort of quick rundown for the weekend fights. There's not a whole ton of news, but, you know, there's still, there was still uh, some interesting tidbits. We already mentioned about Jaime Mungia and Janabek Alimhanalov for the interim title at middleweight for the WBO. That's the possibility there. We have a lot of different um a lot of different fights coming up uh before we kind of get into that Robert is there another a uh... no we go go straight to, to to uh reviewing this weekend's fights Actually, I do want to mention um your immediate thoughts because this has really perplexed me you Pro Bellum and Lou de Bella have announced have announced a strategic partnership oh yeah you mentioned that the other day right i do not know how to feel about this if you know a lot about the the ongoings between daniel kenahan and mtk global and the dots surrounding probellum and its creation how it operates yeah, I guess you can try and connect the two dots together. It's very weird, a little jarring, a little uh, not and I not not in a good way seeing Lou DeBella working with Pro Bellum.
1: Yeah, you know what? I agree with you because Lou DeBella always always seemed to be a guy that was clean. His record's clean. Uh no controversy. He left HBO because of of a, a disagreement with them. About the uh, 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 the future of of how they covered the sport had nothing to do with him. He was a great matchmaker when he was in charge of HBO. Um,
0: and it, and even and here's the thing: I believe he was on it, that BBC documentary on Kinnahan that monitishing and talking about the the corruption in Boston. And now he's doing business with him. I don't understand it. Well, I. Officially, Pro Bellum and Kennahan are not
1: related, but. Yeah, right. Just like uh, Don King as the promoter and his son, Carl King, who managed his fighters, uh, there was no conflict of interest there, right? <laughs> you know. What Ali act. <laughs> but
0: yeah, but hey, Pro Bellum and. Lou DiBella, I think it's kinda of starting to be a little more obvious that Pro Bellum's trying to make a bigger move into the United States with you know Lou DiBella. Two notable fighters that Debella has or um uh, Charles Conwell, who is the um you know, who is the one of the top prospects slash contenders at hundred and fifty four pounds who... it's
1: it's him and Tim zoo at one hundred fifty four as the, the top prospects slash contenders for a title. And he also has a you know he's
0: got a couple of uh he has an Olympic gold medalist and uh Jalalov. Jalolov. And man, this is a there's a lot. I mean this this could be and by the way Bellum has been making a ton of moves signing fighters left and right a lot. They, they just they just signed Archie Sharp, right? They they sh- yep, they signed Archie Sharp earlier today. They've signed a lot of fighters. They've signed a ton uh, of fighters. I uh, I can they've probably made announcements on signing maybe like 20 fighters or so in the past like 10 days or
1: They signed do you think, Ohara Davis do you- as well? Do you think that they will uh, continue to air fights on access TV in America, since if, if they're looking to try to get into America? I they might try and see if they can get a
0: card again. I don't know if the they're gonna try to do something with the upcoming uh, two shows in Dubai that they got in March 18, March 19, or maybe yeah, they'll do
1: something. I mean, where are they gonna? I mean, he wants to try to get into the American market. There's also
0: I, the uh you know yeah. there's
1: also the upcoming John Real Casimiro
0: Paul Butler fight in April but I don't know what's going to be the status of that given the that, that uh, severe allegations the- against Casimiro right now. Yeah, yeah man. Casimiro's in trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. yes uh, <laughs> sexual assault uh allegations yep. against uh Casimiro stem- uh, stemming from an incident months and months back so not going to get too much into that so I don't know what's going to be the status of that fight right. with Paul Butler. Right. I will say if it if something happens that will cause this fight to not happen, He's if we are stripped. to believe what the WBO had previously yeah. said,
1: Casimiro will be stripped of the title. He will get stripped, and Butler will probably fight somebody else, right for the for the vacant title. Yeah, you know, some somebody that will actually
0: step into the ring and not be an announcement and then fall at the last second again.
1: Oh, oh, the seventy uh, five year old Joseph Epeko. <laughs> yes. <laughs> pretty,
0: pretty much. I also want to give a shout-out to Thompson Boxing, who had a really good show and a really fun show uh, last Friday with Ruben Torres and the main event looking Yes, phenomenal. you were talking about it on Twitter, yes. It's a yes. very good show. You can you can go watch it on the Thompson Boxing YouTube channel. It was a, it was a nice card. It was a very fun card, uh, I, I will say. I'm trying
1: to remember. Who was the biggest fighter Thompson boxing ever had was it uh th- this this lighter of uh, weight fighter did they have a fighter my mom my, my mind is, is is closely creeping on dementia did they have a fighter called Sergio Thompson that was like a knockout artist lighter weights Mexican fighter you remember uh, that name because I used to I was like wow Thompson promotion and Sergio Thompson I I just think but Thompson promotions have promoted a bunch of fights throughout Mexico and um, the West Coast, the last ten years, and 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 I always like to to see them with their cards, and I'm gonna go check that out because you you talked about that Ruben Torres fight, you you loved it.
0: Yeah, Danny, uh, Yeah, Ruben Torres looked phenomenal in, in, in that fight. Um, I mean, Danny Roman fought has uh, fought
1: for plenty of Thompson Boxing shows in the past. Yeah, that's a question I want to ask you. What's what's the situation with uh, Stephen Fulton and Danny Ramon? Yeah,
0: they're 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 talking. There, there, there's a lot. You know, it's being discussed, and the plan is to hopefully get that done, uh, somewhat soonish. All right, I good. think that would make for a really good fight. And you know, Danny Roman,
1: I think has it long would, has waited too long to get his title shot. I think this would be a tougher fight for Fulton than Figueroa was. Danny Ramon, and call and he uh, attested this. He's a tough son of a bitch. He's not an easy out. And every time he's been considered a, a major underdog, he has shined. I mean, I would go with Fulton to win the fight, but Roman will give him hell.
0: Yeah, it's about as close a 50-50 fight in the 122-pound division as there is in boxing in that and division I think right it, now.
1: And I think it's the best fight to make at 122. I agree. And – and um. I'm glad cuz I had heard rumors a few weeks ago that they were talking about an immediate rematch with Figueroa. I'm glad that you're reporting that no that it looks like it's going to be full to Roman and that the negotiations are not going. Yeah. I yeah. I don't know how
0: deep the negotiations are going, but you know, I I will say it probably it, I would venture is say it's not at zero.
1: But Okay, good. Good but, to hear, you know.
0: Obviously, the Brandon Figueroa fight. I suppose the rematch is always... I don't think it's going to happen. I think at this point it's not. I think Figueroa is going to see his options at 126, so... Okay. This weekend, we have a few boxing shows to kind of quickly run down to. February 26th, Josh Taylor versus Jack Catterall for the undisputed junior welterweight title. This fight was supposed to take place a couple of months ago. Taylor got hurt during... Uh, training, and so it got pushed back until February 26th. fight's going to air in the United States on ESPN Plus at 2 p.m. Eastern. Rebeza Ramirez versus Eric Donovan and uh, Patty Donovan also on the undercard. This is an interesting fight. You know, it's a nice first time fence for Josh Taylor after the win against Jose Ramirez. I like Jack Catterall, and I actually do think he's actually a a stronger puncher than what his KO ratio may indicate, but I'm picking Josh Taylor to win this fight. I think that, you know, whatever Caterall brings to the table, Taylor has beaten a fighter who is just as good, if not better, at whatever Catarall does best, whether it be Ivor Branchek or Regis Progress or yeah. Jose Ramirez. I think it's going to be a Josh Taylor win.
1: I can't I can't disagree with you at all. Uh, Taylor, I see Taylor in a very lopsided, unanimous decision victory. Um, I wish Taylor would stop entertaining thoughts of welterweight. He's not that good. I keep telling but, you. I keep telling you he has his, not his mindset on, on going he, to welterweight. He, he will get blasted. I mean, he should stay at 140 and continue to give progress to rematches. A lot of... There's a lot of guys he can fight at 140. He will get murdered against the Errol Spencers, Boots Ennis, Terrence Crawfords, uh, Yodanis Ugas's, Virgil Ortiz's of the world. He's not that big of a puncher, and he's not that great of a stylist where he can make these guys miss for 12 rounds. It's not happening. Um, but you know what? He's going he's gonna to do what you said, Carlos. He's going to move up to 147, and it's going to ruin his career because – uh, it's a, it's funny Carlos how, even though it's only a seven pound difference, how uh, the the level of 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 power and skill is so overwhelming at welterweight over junior welterweight right now.
0: Also, this weekend we have the a Showtime card from Las Vegas. Chris Colbert versus Hector Luis Garcia, starting at 10 p.m. Eastern. Colbert was supposed to challenge Roger Gutierrez for the WBA Super Featherweight title. Gutierrez went down with COVID, so in comes the undefeated Garcia. Undercard still remains intact. Jerwin Ancajas versus Fernando Daniel Martinez for the IBF Super Flyweight title, and Gary Antoine Russell versus Victor Postal. And a very very good fight at 140 pounds. Overall, the TV undercard and the TV card is still pretty good, but you have I me—you mean, can't help but feel a little disappointed that Colbert is not getting his fight against Gutierrez. Of course, no yeah. one's fault, you know. It, sometimes it happens, especially nowadays because of COVID. But I—I uh, I expect Chris Colbert even against a, yeah. a late. Replacement opponent to shine as he always has been, uh, you know, on this incredible run that he has been.
1: I know Colbert and Shakur know each other and are on friendly uh, terms. Um, I would love to see them two fight eventually in some type of unification fight. Uh, it would have been perfect had Colbert beat Gutierrez because I expect Shakur to become the WBO and WBC champion Monday, uh, Sunday morning, May first, when we wake up. That that's a beautiful matchup, the IBF champion against the WBO WBO champion. But you got to put that on hold because Gutierrez got WBA set. champion. I mean, yeah, WBA versus WBC WBO. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I I agree. But overall, uh, that the, would be a great fight because you got two stylistic fighters who have to find a way to uh, out. Finesse the other guy, and it'd be a chess match. I love seeing those type of fights. It really got to wait. We got to wait though, because uh, you know, when do you think Colbert and Gutierrez will fight? I, I mean, assuming Colbert
0: uh, Colbert wins, uh, he's gonna and... win.
1: the only way he, unless you know, he's not losing to Garcia. If he does, then he needs to seriously. He needs to seriously look at his, at his career. The, the the skill, the the skill level is not even on the same universe. But go ahead, I'm, let's assume for shits and giggles, Colbert wins. Yeah. Gutierrez when when that fight happens. I mean,
0: I I don't know. I guess a lot of it, you know, depends on how you know what what's going to happen in regards to. remember, this fight was actually ordered by the right. WBA. This fight was ordered. So I don't know. Who- how much? How quickly is- the WBA will enforce? A lot of it also depends on, you know, just how
1: good Gutierrez is going to feel after COVID. Is Gutierrez still promoted by Oscar by Golden Boy? Yes. What if Ara makes a back deal and let's assume Shakur wins in two and a half in two months? Now it's almost the end of February, and makes a backdoor deal with a uh, Oscar. Saying all right, forget Chris Colbert. Uh, here's this amount of money. Let's put Gutierrez in the Arizona ring, with you call for three the title. I mean, I would love to see that too. I, I did, so we'll we'll, we'll see. Uh, the Oscar and Bob have a long-standing relationship, and my understanding is, is it's the best it's been in years. So maybe some shenanigans could happen. <laughs> and you know, WBA will be like, oh, it's a unification fight. So uh, Colbert, you could uh. Oh, sit back while we let these guys fight it out i mean um, uh, I will... again
0: that a yeah. lot of it all it really does depend uh on a lot of things uh, but mm-hmm. yeah now last card that i do want to briefly touch upon this is a rare sunday card a rare sunday big relatively it, big card not massive this, but big card this on this zone this fight's being held in england Yes, in okay. London at the O2 Arena, Lawrence versus Michael Lawrence
1: Ceci- is fighting at the O2 Arena. Yeah, how are ticket sales going? Because only the bigger, the biggest of the big fight or play at the O2 Arena. This is where Prince played. This is where Days played. Uh, uh, Sting, and I'm talking about the, the original Sting from the Police, not the not the 79 year old wrestler that's still wrestling. No. Uh, man, he's at Lawrence is at the 02. He's come a long way. Go ahead, Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it, it'll this is actually his
0: first fight at the 02 since 2019 when he beat Eves and uh Ngabu for the European Cruiserweight title. That was on the undercard, yeah, of
1: the Josh Taylor Regis Pro fight, yeah, yeah, which was one of the best fights of two, two, 2019. So yeah, uh, love Lawrence. Uh, I wish he can get a big fight, but right now nobody wants to fight him. But he's got a very tough opponent to Michael
0: Sislak. Sislak is a very, very good, very, very hard-hitting fighter. His only loss was a very close decision loss to Lunga Makabu back in 2020, and he's looked spectacular since then. Two wins, two knockouts. Last one, a just complete decimation of Yuri Kashinsky in under two minutes in. Poland, if I remember correctly, and mm-hmm. this will definitely be a uh, toughest test yes. uh, in of his yes.
1: career. I would say. Yes, I agree. I and agree definitely, it'll be a It'll be a good fight, in in my opinion. Undercard, yeah, I, got a, I got a Coley by late late stoppage.
0: Undercard looks like this: Kareem Garfi versus Jordan Gill for the European Featherweight Title. Anthony Fowler in his first fight since the loss to Liam Smith back in October against Lucas Masiak Fabio Wardley, Galalia Phi in his first pro fight going 10 rounds for a regional WBC title against Carlos Vado Bautista. Very, very rare for a fighter making his pro debut being at scheduled 10 rounds for a regional title. Uh... Last time this has happened, I think it was Vasily Lomachenko in his pro debut, at least as far as for the men.
1: He, he he fought for I think was it the WBO international title or some shit like that in his pro debut, uh Lomachenko. I believe so. I, I think it was for the it it was for the it was for the pop pop uh, featherweight Either, either WBO or WBC. Yeah, it was international. WBO international featherweight yeah. title. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that was his very first pro fight. Then the second fight, he lost to Salido for the world title.
0: Yeah. And Yafai, hard to not buy into the hype after his incredible performance in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics where he won the gold medal at flyweight. Obviously, they're going to fast track him into, you know, they're not going to, Put him on, you know, on cruise control for 12 15 fights. They're putting him right there in 10 round fights. I'm not, I don't think they're going to put him in a world title fight if he wins this one, but it's going to be a quicker transition to the top of the division than most prospects that we are accustomed to seeing.
1: Yeah, I mean, recently we saw, of course, Lomachenko, David Morrell. Was fighting 12 rounders, what in his third pro fight, right? <laughs> yeah, he was close. Yeah, he, he,
0: I would say, maybe as far as men's boxing uh, is concerned, maybe probably the yeah. closest, yeah. uh, to Lomachenko that we have gotten as far as yeah. fast starts. Six I rounders mean, in the first two fights, then the Lennox yeah. Allen fight yeah. on mm-hmm. Fox, uh, that was 12 uh, rounds. Yeah, in his
1: third, third. Which really surprised me. Morrell's a special talent, so I I understand that. And also, I think what all three fighters had have in common, Carlos, is they had incredible amateur careers, and mm, that's why their people, their management, have the confidence that they could uh, easily, easily uh, convert that 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 uh, greatness to the pro level. It worked in Lomachenko's uh, uh, behalf. Um, Morel still a work in progress, even though you see the talent there. We'll see with you find. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's you know very possible
0: that this ends up being a potential disaster. I mean, let's remember, um, Robesi Ramirez is a double Olympic gold medalist, and he lost in his pro debut, and that was a four rounder where yep. he got dropped in the first round. So there have been you know instances where yep. a highly touted prospect who won Olympic what, gold medal started off well and name? started off not
1: so well. What was the name of the Chinese amateur star that, I mean, Aaron went Google Gaga over and had all those fights out there in Beijing and Hong Kong. What's the name of that guy? Zheng Zhai. How do you say his name? You know what I'm talking about. Um, Boy, I yes, – Just give me a second. I can't – Is it Zheng Zhai?
0: It's hard to spell. Hard to spell. Rem- I'm trying to remember. I remember at the very
1: least the that he had fought uh, – Shiming. There you go. Zushi Ming who uh wanna becoming a disappointment. Take thought. Arab thought he could set up a whole Chinese market on this guy. It blew up in his face. <laughs>
0: yeah, he, he he won a he won a world title at flyweight and I believe his ninth fight right. and or his tenth fight and then in his first title fight title title defense goes on to lose to Shokimura in China, which I, don't ask me. Don't ask me why, uh, how. But I remember watched that fight, and I was that was a really good fight. That was a tremendous fight. I don't know if it's even available. I don't even know how I managed to watch it, but that ended up being the the prelude to what ended up being an all time great flyweight fight between Shokimura and Kosei Tanaka in twenty eighteen. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, ultimately, I think it was I think Zushi means. Retirement came somewhat abruptly, but because I think it was injuries to his eyes. Yeah, uh, yeah. But
1: with, uh, with his style, it was he wasn't going to have a long career. Um, but he was a huge, he was a huge attraction to China, though. <laughs> All right,
0: do we have anything else that you'd like to discuss, oh,
1: you, Robert? You covered everything, big man. All right, Robert. Where can the good people find you on Twitter and read your work? Um, Twitter, Twitter, Robert Silver five seven six eight, uh, fightgaymedia.com, dot the parent website to this uh, podcast feed, Fight Game Media. Uh, I've I've been getting nothing but praise for my number twenty first greatest fighter in the last forty five years, Felix Tito Trinidad article. I mean, people are just hitting me, DMing me. Uh, it, Tagging me in post. Oh, man, this is beautiful. This guy was my greatest fight. Look Tino Trinidad was a special fighter go read my article. It's the most comprehensive article I've ever written on any fighter in the five plus six plus seven plus years. I've been writing for fight game media
0: You can also find me on Twitter at Carlos Toro Media. And that'll do it for this edition of the Pound for Pound Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in every single week. And we'll see you in the next one here in the Pound for Pound Podcast on the Fight Game Media Network. We'll see you next week to discuss the fights and hope you guys have a good week. Have a great one, everyone.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early,